You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast with Brian Weber. It's a talk show. We talk. And former Pro Bowl Steelers quarterback Cordell Slash Stewart. Hey, get your popcorn ready. NFL No Huddle airs live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern on the NFL on TuneIn, your everything audio app. Hello and welcome to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and thanks for listening. I'm Brian Weber alongside Cordell Stewart. On today's podcast, we'll focus on the top storylines from across the league as training camps are heating up around the nation and week one of the preseason is upon us. Plus, we'll tackle a story that's a bit unusual when we take you out of bounds. And Brian, let's start the podcast by analyzing Ezekiel Elliott's suspension. A lot of layers to analyze. There's a football component to it. The NFL in a post Ray Rice World making a definitive statement that they are going to take any allegation of domestic violence very seriously, and they investigated this matter for over a year. So let's just start with your initial reaction. Were you surprised the league came down with a six-game suspension because we had been hearing reports from insiders like Adam Schefter it might be a single game or a game or two? I mean, this this is pretty heavy. Uh, but I think what, what we've seen with Ray, uh, Ray Rice's situation and uh, when it comes to domestic violence, and, 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 and being, I think ha- the league having up to a year or so to really investigate this situation probably gave them a chance to, to do their due diligence to come away with this decision. But I tell you what, man, that's six games. That's, that's a big one. Um, you know, and, and, but I think at the same time, they want to make sure that they address this situation as extent, you know, as as harshly as they possibly can, uh, to set the precedent to prove the point of how they don't want domestic violence in this game, um, to to make it understood that if you do this, this could cost you, and this may, uh, and I'm just I'm just speaking from a standpoint of the schedule that Dallas has, uh, this could be a potential cost uh, towards their football team. Uh, it's going to take um, Darren McFadden as well as Alfred Morris. Uh, to really step their games up uh, to to help this football team uh, actually do some of the things uh, that they did last year, which was play some really, really, really good football. And uh, it's just going to be one of those eye-openers in my mind when it comes down to, again, other players uh, who find themselves in tough places uh, to understand that if you are in the position, um, let's say to – have to to determine your your chances of being on this football team, um, and, and you have a choice you have to make. If it comes down, to, if it, when it comes into domestic violence, you're gonna have to be smart and know that there's gonna be some. Uh, who was it that they end up getting? Is it uh, would it be Ronnie Hillman that they end up grabbing uh, through free agency yeah. mm-hmm. uh, to help out this 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 running back uh, situation and, and, and being careful and being prepared for just in case it happens. And here it is. While we thought maybe two games, some may some may have said four. Now it's six. So now, if 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 you are doing as you mentioned, uh, the scheduling game as we scheduling game as we've as we've as we've how we've done in the past. Uh, let's see. Uh, let's go to the schedule. Let's go to. The schedule. I have it in front of me. There it's you go. The Giants go and Dallas Week One in Dallas. I was picking the Giants either way, and we're presuming that Ezekiel Elliott's appeal would be heard by them. But let's just say it's the first six games of the regular season. I like the Giants irrespective of his availability. So I had the Giants winning that game. What's your assessment if there's no Ezekiel Elliott that's a home game for Dallas? Well, this is what's funny. You know, we saw 
you know, when the league actually go through the process of doing their homework and making the decision, we saw what happened with Tom Brady, his appeal. It ended up happening anyway. So I'm going to assume it's six games. So going against the Giants, uh, I'm still going with Dallas. I, I, I'm still going with Dallas. I just like their offense. I think these two backs, three backs, Ronnie Hillman being a part of that, uh, I, I, I just think they still are okay. Um, they're playing at home in the first game of the season. I'm rocking with the Dallas Cowboys. I'm not moving. Back to you. Okay. Thank you, sir. We'll go week by week. And I just want to be completely transparent. We are not minimizing in any way, at least that's my attempt, these allegations. If true, these are heinous acts. I've discussed this before, and this is not about me, but if domestic violence has touched your family, I think we all have a visceral reaction. And obviously, if I can do 30 seconds of commentary here, undeniably the league has gotten it right this time after mishandling, although in fairness they did not have all of the information when it came to Ray Rice. You have the situation with Josh Brown and the Giants. The league is setting in a very public way. This is a priority and something that all men should know. You never put your hand on a woman. Back to the schedule outlook. Week two on the road in Denver, Cordell. Are they really going to run the football effectively, even with the best offensive line in all of football, matching up with Vaughn Miller and that Steely D? I think so. I I think they still uh, try to establish the line of scrimmage. Um, I know Dak Prescott can handle it as far as being able to throw the football and, and, and make plays with his feet, but I think they stay on course. I don't think they change anything that they do when it comes down to how they play the game, which is setting the tone up front and allow Ezekiel Elliott, excuse me, Dak Prescott, to do the play-action pass and use his feet as well. So uh, I'm sticking with uh, how they actually play on a consistent basis, and I don't think it changes uh, against the Denver Broncos. The Denver Broncos are still trying to figure out their quarterback situation. Uh, So with that, I'm still sticking with the boys with them stars. It'll be Dak Prescott and Alfred Morris, (laughs) Darren McFadden, and Ronnie Hillman. I'm going with the Cowboys in that game as well. Wow, your confidence is interesting. Okay, I have them losing that game, so I have the Cowboys at 0-2. Next week, on the road in Arizona, it's a Monday night football game. Now, we can have the Arizona conversation if you want. I don't know which version the Cardinals are going to show up this year. The team two years ago that made it to the NFC title game or the one last year that limped their way to seven wins because Carson Palmer looked like he was 117 years old. Still, the strength of that team is their defense. Right. I'll take the Cowboys, but I think it's going to be a tight game. So I have Dallas one and two after three weeks. I have them three and zero. Oh. Keep it going. Let's go. What? <laughs> you just give them the win and keep moving. Well, All just, right. I, yeah. I mean, it's it's playing as something. If it, here, here's the thing it is is you know they're playing at home. Arizona is. Uh, I think Arizona, when looking at them, I think overall. Defensively, I think they have a pretty solid defense. They're not known to be a, a run-stop defense uh, consistently. Uh, but at the same time, I think the pieces they have on defense is good. But I think offensively, what they do, they don't commit to running the football with David Johnson. I think Carson Palmer play into the hands of uh, of what they do. What is it? Uh, Marinelli and what he does on the defense. I think they play into the hands of that defense by throwing the football in the air a lot. I think Dallas goes on the road and get a, a, a very needed win against a, a team that's within their conference. I like Arizona, but I'm still sticking with the boys with the stars, baby. I'm going with the Dallas Cowboys. They're 3-0. Keep very going. Very interesting. So they lose the best running back statistically last year in all of football. 
You're saying plug and play. Alfred Morris, Darren McFadden, Ronnie Hillman, you have them at 3-0. I guess then the following week as they head back home to match up with the L.A. Rams does not require much analysis. That's another Dallas win for you, correct? You have them 4-0? Well, we got Wade Phillips as the defensive coordinator now. I mean, so he, he could dial up a few things here and there with, with Aaron Donald actually getting his deal. I'm assuming he'll have his deal done. Uh, it's not going to be a pushover game for the Rams, uh, the Rams and the Cowboys, and the Cowboys playing at home. I think they play better than most will give them credit for as of right now because we're going off with the totality of this team and how they played ever since the greatest show on turf has left. But the Dallas Cowboys still get the win. Go ahead. I'm listening. You are amazing. All right, you got to concede the next game. Green Bay comes to Texas. Rematch of that thrilling playoff game from a year ago. I know how tight the drama was at the end of that game. Still, you're not telling me Ezekiel Elliott is not going to be missed in that game, right? You're still going to pick the Cowboys against the Packers? He's going to be missed in every last one of the games that he's not playing in. Every last one of them, even this one. I'll give this one to Green Bay. Okay, thank you. I, I appreciate. I have him right now at four and one. I have him at four and one. Go Following ahead. week, it's a bye, and now you're in a conundrum. Oh, they you're, win the bye too. By the way, they yeah. win the bye, but keep going. All they do is win, no matter what. Your San Francisco 49ers, Jed, you're the mastermind. That Ruben game Foster. in the San Francisco Bay yes. Area. I'll take Dallas on the road. How about you? Man, the 49ers are going to be hot, but not enough to beat the boys with the stars. I'm going with the Cowboys. I have them at five and one. Let's four and one. Let's go five and one. Yeah, let's five go. and one, and that yes. would complete the six game suspension. I think you're being a little bit too rosy. Don't you think that Dak Prescott's going to feel much more pressure? And he already had a ton of pressure coming off that remarkable season from last year without the asset of having Ezekiel Elliott, you don't think that offense is going to take a step back at all? Well, I don't stop that. See, the wins is not necessarily saying they're not taking a step back. It's just how they go about their business. See, the wins and losses doesn't tell you about the story in which they're actually going to tell throughout the game. It's just I think the the team that I'm talking about is still a strong team and even stronger because they're doing it by committee as opposed to just one guy. I know it's Ezekiel Elliott. But I think I'll take three. Three is more than one. Let's just say that. And I think if they do it by committee, I think they may not be as clean in a sense of how they go about their business, but I think they still have enough uh, to give them an opportunity to win. As long as they have number four at the helm, this offensive line is healthy. You have Cole Beasley. You have Des Bryant on the outside. You have Terrence William on the outside. You have Jason Witten at the tight end position. I'm still rocking and rolling with the bigger picture than I am with the single picture, which is losing their running back. Of course, it's going to be a huge loss. Don't get it twisted. Don't allow my sound to cause you to think that I'm, you know, that I'm losing it a little bit here from a standpoint of Zeke Elliott not being in. Uh, and that's going to be an appearance thing, which may cause an interference for everyone else. But I'm still rocking and rolling with what they do, which is still establish the line of skim- scrimmage with running the football. They still go play action pass. Your quarterback is sound. Defense, I think, is going to be sound with Marinelli. I think he's fixed his problems. I think he fixed his problems. And I think this team still play good football. People are going to take him for granted because Ezekiel Elliott's not in. I think they still come out going into the bye week being 5-1. and one. Four. Okay. That's it, right? Five and one. Yeah. Four. Five. Yeah. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. All right. Okay. Four I, and I one. Think, I think because I was ill last week, you've had too much cough medication today. I don't know what the well, doctors prescribe, but you're out of your mind as well. Well, this this is what I'll say. I don't think people are giving Dak Prescott enough credit because they think it was they think it's more about what the running game and the offensive line did. And this is going to be a, see. This is all predicated on Dak Prescott for me, the quarterback. 
who made quality decisions last year. Only four turnovers. And most will say the pressure will mount on Dak Prescott's back when not understanding it's still about the offensive line. And if the offensive line produces the way we've seen them produce, I think Alfred Morris leads the, the charge. I think uh, uh, Darren McFadden comes in and does his part. I think this young man, Ronnie Hillman, comes in and be a part of also uh, this running attack. And last but not least, number four, he can scoot a little bit himself. And we're forgetting the pieces on the outside. It's going to be still methodical. It won't be as explosive with the running game. But I think overall, it's going to be methodical in a sense in their approach. And I think they don't deviate from, from what they've done. And I think they still have a chance to be as good overall as they once were with, with Ezekiel Elliott. Just won't be as pretty, but I think they still get the end result they need. Back Not surprisingly, I have a different point of view. Hopefully, that's why this show is compelling. Let's wrap it up with the notion that I know a lot of Cowboy fans are expressing on Twitter. And Cordell, we can connect it to your old team, the Steelers. Right. As we learned in the Ben Roethlisberger case, you don't have to be convicted of a crime to be subject to league discipline, right? That right. Ben, in that instance, was not charged with anything. And we're talking about civil settlements. But the view of Commissioner Goodell was that behavior was detrimental to the National Football League. And thus, he was subject to the suspension. Six games, knocked down to four. So you're having Cowboy fans, and I can understand the passion that they have about their team, saying, hang on, if there's no indictment, obviously no conviction in this case, how can the league punish Ezekiel Elliott? Well, Cordell, as a former player, do you have any issue with that? Obviously, this has been the foundation of Roger Goodell's tenure as commissioner, trying to emphasize the importance of proper conduct, perception matters, especially after Ray Rice. So I think the league got it right, but understandably there are a lot of frustrated Cowboy fans today. I mean, what did we expect when it come down to this ruling? Uh, we knew there was going to be a, a, a suspension. We didn't know how hefty it was going to be, small or large. Uh, suspension, we, we, we assumed, was going to be automatic. Uh, six games, I can't tell you uh, what's enough because some will say not let him play for the year. Others may say, oh, it was nothing, just give him one game. But I think for the Cowboys, based on where they were last season and how they finished and excited they are about their two rookies in the quarterback and also the running back and, and the direction this team is going with knowing that Tony Romo is, no, is not around anymore, they're looking at it from a wins and loss standpoint. And they're figuring that it's going to be a little bit more difficult to win these games as you are when, when saying that Ezekiel Elliott's not in and assuming that that's the only way they can go about winning football games and forgetting that they do have a quarterback, and rightfully so. You know, if I'm a, if I'm a big, you know, a huge fan, I don't think one, will, one, one fan, one, not one, it, whether it's on the forefront or in, in, their, in their, 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 their psyche, you know, when it comes to their subconscious mind, will walk away from the same thing saying, well, you know what? He deserves it. Let him go in and get a suspension. Let's, let's hurt. No. If they had it their way, quietly, behind the scenes, without anyone seeing their vote, they all would say he need to play week one. That's, that was done before he actually got in the National Football League. Most will say, matter of fact, I was one that said, you know, what's the deal? He, this happened before he got in the National Football League without really doing – my, 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 the big picture and my homework and understanding that it happened in July, so that means he was already drafted. So he was still a part of the team. He just hasn't, he just wasn't officially 
you know, in the mix far as the season started, you know, starting him getting carries, so on and so forth. So with saying it, yeah, I mean, you have to expect this 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 blowback from the fan base to be as 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 frustrating uh, as it is. It's just when one guy's suspension is not the same as the other. Uh, sometimes it can be frustrating, you know, whatever case they choose to grab at. Uh, but for me, the suspension is the suspension. Domestic violence is domestic violence. And, uh, you know, he, he allows his his time on the field to be in the hands of Roger Goodell when this has been one of his big sticklers when it comes down to how he handled players. And, and to have a six-game suspension, you know what I'm going to sit here and say? Right or wrong, does he deserve it or not? This is what's being put down. This is the time he has to serve, and that's it. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and we'll be right back with more after this. Get to know artists in a new way on Fireside Chat, exclusively on TuneIn. Search Fireside Chat to hear exclusive interviews with SZA. And I still don't know myself, but I think I'm comfortable with what I do and don't know. Legendary reggae artist Damian Marley stops by and talks about his inspiration behind Stony Hill. I'm not trying to hide where I come from or pretend to be something I'm not. ZZ Ward talks about her life and her music. So the inspiration for this album was a lot of past relationships. Get to know artists in a new way. Search Fireside Chat exclusively on TuneIn. Welcome back to... To NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. We continue on NFL No Huddle, the podcast, focusing on the top stories across the National Football League. Three games tonight, among them 49ers on the road in Kansas City. That's where our friend Nick Ferguson is. Nick having a wonderful opportunity, a coaching internship with the San Francisco 49ers. Nick, it's been a while. Let's start with that. How's it going? given what you've been able to contribute to the Niners so far? Well, it's been one heck of an experience. And I'll start off by saying this. Usually when we're on, we jokingly talk about the Jags. And with that being mentioned, of course, Jed York comes up in the conversation. I've had an opportunity to uh, cross paths with him uh, on the field and, and the facility. And uh, there was a brief encounter where I started to bring up Cordell's name. And <laughs> then I decided not to. But uh, it, it, it's been a great experience. I'm looking forward to the guys tonight going out and uh, really competing. There's a lot of uh, positions are open uh, for guys to win starting jobs. And with this being pretty much a, a young team, and it's just kind of crazy to even see that in today's NFL, but uh, this team is possibly on an upswing. And considering, you know, the future or the past, excuse me, of this franchise, uh, there's some great things that uh, await this franchise around the corner, but uh, it starts with tonight going out and uh, getting that first W in preseason against Kansas City. You have the number one and number two pick for the San Francisco 49ers, Solomon Thomas, as well as Reuben Foster. Reuben Foster coming out of Alabama. Uh, we've seen Landon Collins and how he's played with the Giants and how he's caught on to the game instantly. Uh, has Reuben Foster uh, coming out of Alabama made that same transition so far from what you see? Well, Cordell, you know that it is a very difficult transition making that leap from the college level to the NFL. And uh, expectations are always high. You mentioned the fact that those guys were taken uh, in the first rounds, uh, one and two for the San Francisco 49ers. But I can tell you it's been as advertised uh, of each guy coming out of college. Of course, there's always an adjustment, and sometimes it happens faster for some guys. Others, it takes a, a couple more games. But uh, the San Francisco 49ers fans, that, I, mean, I mean, for years to come, 
uh, they're, they're going to excite uh, the crowd. But it starts with getting that first preseason game under your belt. Um, now you can go out there and say, well, you can go and hit someone else in another uniform, and we'll get an opportunity to see, you know, the skills that we've seen thus far in training camp, Ruben Foster and some actually go out there and utilize them against someone else outside their own teammates. He's Cordell Stewart. I'm Brian Weber taking you around the league with our good friend Nick Ferguson, the former NFL safety. Nick, your reaction to the big headline across the league today, Ezekiel Elliott suspended for six games. And if that suspension is upheld, how do you think the Cowboys play without him for a half dozen football games? Well, obviously, it's going to be very uh, difficult uh, for them looking at the level of production that Elliott was able to provide both he and Dak Prescott um, being amazing rookies for that uh Dallas Cowboys offense, you're talking about more than 1,600 yards on the ground, 15 touchdowns, and he made his first playoff berth. It's going to be difficult to try to replace that level of production, even with how great that offensive line is for the Dallas Cowboys. So now for for Dak Prescott, luckily for him, there's Darren McFadden, Alpha Morris, and Ronnie Hillman. Now they're going to try to get those three backs to try to duplicate Ezekiel Elliott's uh, performance. But you know, Alpha Morris, you know, he is a veteran. We've seen flashes of the last year in preseason. He showed with a spin move that he still has the capability of toting the rock, but we have to see if he can live up and give them half of what Ezekiel Elliott, but it definitely changes that, that dynamics for the Cowboys offense, and Jared Jones is pushing right now to try to get this thing overturned. Like you said, you know, there's three days uh, to for Ezekiel Elliott to now go back to of the league and try to appeal the suspension. But what this should say, not for just for Ezekiel Elliott, but for other players, you have to be careful about the decisions that you make and the circumstances that you put yourself in. So uh, whether the suspension is upheld, hopefully this is a learning experience for Ezekiel Elliott. I know, you know, this past year, his name has been mentioned a lot more times than I'm sure Jerry Jones would like, but this is a situation that we're dealing with. Because the issue deals with domestic violence, that is a hot-button topic, not just in football but in our society. You know, everyone's taking a look to see, okay, what the league is going to do. And I know there's been a lot of criticism of the league. Well, why has it taken you this long to figure things out? But remember when Ray Rice's situation hit and, and he was given a two-game suspension, and then we saw the videos, right, and then the league came out and gave him a more hefty uh, suspension. Everyone was like, well, why did you give him two and you didn't wait to do your due diligence. So the league this time, learning from the first situation, started to do their due diligence. Everyone wanted to ha- happen now, and I'm sure Jerry Jones wanted to figure it out. But now we know, going into possibly the, the, the second week of preseason, Ezekiel potentially, if the appeal you know, is upheld, is an upheld, excuse me, you know, he will be out for those six games. And you look at those opponents that the, uh, the Dallas Cowboys have to face in that period, you know, it may not hurt them that bad. Yeah, you want him in that first game against the Dallas um, against the New York Giants because that team is in your division. But I be, believe the Dallas Cowboys will make it out of these six games uh, if he's still uh, suspended uh, on a good side of things. So, so no need to panic. Your former teammate and now GM John Lynch, uh, have you had the opportunity to have a, to chop it up with him a little bit to? to get in his mind or, or he basically tell you how much of a transition or tough or good the transition has gone from him being a color analyst uh, to now all of a sudden having a chance to call the shots when it comes to personnel? No, we, we really haven't, Cordell. We haven't had that opportunity. But if you, you know, 
the buzz around the building, if you listen to the buzz around the building, the, the, the fans, uh, some of the players who were here uh, during the tumultuous time with the 49ers and some of the new guys that are now here, they're very excited, you know, because you, you know about uh, what John was and what he brought to a game as a player winning the Super Bowl with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and wanting to see how he's going to piece this team together in years to come. And just looking at the fact of what he decided to do with with Solomon and Ruben Foster, that shows exactly the direction that he's trying to take this team to. And, and I, I can tell you this, I mean, you know, there's been former 49ers around the building. Charles Hill has been around the building. Jerry Rice has been around the building. So the idea is trying to go back to what the 49ers organization was years ago, having those former players come back by and share that experience as far as what the organization means to them, you know, as far as players and, and what this current team needs to do to kind of get over that hump and get that whole 214 taste out of their mouth. So, you know, I like what John is doing. I like what Kyle is doing. But it's going to be exciting to watch this team uh, for years to come. Nick Ferguson, the former NFL safety, is our guest on the NFL. On Tune in, Nick, last one for me, another Denver connection. Then Jay Cutler moved on to Chicago, but he knew Adam Gase first in the Mile High City. So considering their rapport and what they did together a couple years ago, in Chicago, how smooth do you think the transition is going to be for Cutler coming out of his semi-retirement? Well, that's going to be based on how well he, uh, you know, plays in the game. Right now, Matt Moore is uh, is the quarterback. He's been in that offense as well. He deserves an opportunity uh, to have his day in the sun. But knowing as though Jay Cutler and Adam Gase have this chemistry under Gase, you know, Jay Cutler was able to keep his touchdown-to-interception ratio pretty low and probably the best – season he's had as a professional. So he understands the system. This is probably the best fit for both, you know, Jay Cutler, who wanted to play more and just needed a team to give him that opportunity. And the Miami Dolphins, Adam Gase, who found themselves in a very difficult spot with Tannehill, Hill, you know, needing, you know, knee surgery. So it has the potential to work out. He is surrounded once again, the same way he was surrounded in Chicago with some great, you know, receivers outside. Jay Ajayi definitely helped take the pressure off of him. But, you know, it's still yet to be seen how well he's going to adjust coming back, even though he hasn't been out of the game that long. But see really what his mental state is because it was really odd, and I found it odd. And Cordell, you as a guy who played the quarterback position, they find it rather odd too as well when he was asked about being in shape. And he said, well, to be a quarterback, you really don't have to be in shape. So, We'll see, you know, because I'm sure the defensive teams that they're going to have to face this year, they're going to get Jay Culler outside of the pocket and see how well his fitness and cardio is this season. Back to you, Brian. Thank. Well, he, he threw the thing to you about conditioning. <laughs> I thought you wanted to chime in there. Yeah. Nick, I, no, I wanted you to get that one, Brian, because it was conditioning. Now, but to answer your question, conditioning is, is for I think any athlete on the field, uh, it, it's the number one thing. You can know the playbook. You know, you can – be one of the best in the game, let's say that. Uh, if you're not conditioned, because you can go back to the Super Bowl last year. The Super Bowl last year, I think, was all about conditioning for that team in New England, but most importantly for the quarterback. That team on the other side in Atlanta, they ran out of gas. So when you talk about conditioning, when you talk about cardio, you can't do enough of it because it's a four-quarter game, and if you can be as con- best conditioned team as you can possibly be, you'll have a chance to, to overcome some adversity because someone's going to wear down. You just hope it's not you first. 
Well, you know what, Cordell, before, before we get out of here, I, I'll, I'll add this to it. You know, when most people talk about the quarterback position, you know, we talk about uh, the quarterback arm, how how uh, fast or how long he can throw the ball down the field. When we talk about Jay Cutler, we've always referred to him as a gunslinger. But you know this as a guy that played the position at a high level in the NFL. You cannot throw the ball or push the ball down the field without your legs. So the fact that Jay Cutler said, hey, you don't have to be in condition to play the position. Yes, you do, because you're – your legs, if they fatigue and you can't utilize them to slide and move in the pocket, it's going to make it really difficult also for you to push and drive the ball down the field. So it's going to be interesting once again to see if that statement comes back to biting. Well, Nick, I'll say this here. I'll say this about Jay Cutler, and, and Brian and I had this conversation about this. And we know every once in a while Jay Cutler can be a little sarcastic. But this team is on the brink of being really good. I thought they – they, they kind of stuck their nose into winning ways to the point where it got them into uh, playing in the playoffs. I know they lost to the Steelers. Uh, but remember, this guy was on his way to the booth. He was spending time with his kids. He was trying to get the rhythm and the cadence of being a, a color analyst with two other guys in the booth. And then all of a sudden he gets a chance to be back into this competitive environment to the point where now he's sarcastic. I'm just a quarterback. I don't need to be in shape. If anything, he needs to be the most conditioned player. And the arm is one that I think that's just a, the natural one that, that gets fatigued for any quarterback. But if his physical being is in shape and he's ready with what he knows with Adam Gay's system from a from a standpoint of understanding him as a coach, his his system and what he wants, this team can have a chance to be good. But if he comes in with that 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 what is smoking cutler, you know, you know the little deal they have on Instagram where he's got the the marble lights, you know, hanging off of his lip or whatever, um, it, it can it can be something that's pretty pretty bad because they gave him a one year deal worth ten million bucks, and you know they had Colin Kaepernick sitting there. He was on the list of he had Kyle Orton on the list, and you had Brian Weber's favorite Tim Tebow even was My on guy. that list. Wow. My guy, yeah. So it, it needs to he needs to I think address that again and just say he was he was just happy and excited to be back because if it comes to a point and you know down in Miami we both all three of us know when it's humid and hot down there you don't have any time to be in that weather no longer than you need to and they have a minimum of every practice probably what anywhere from two and a half three maybe four hours every day they're out there so he's got to get himself together and get himself in shape but to say that lets you know that that's just being that's just Jay Cutler being Jay Cutler well we, we, we'll find out which Jay Cutler uh, you know, we'll we'll get once we get to the regular season because if he is a guy that still wanted the opportunity to play the game of football and Chicago wasn't giving him that, he has that opportunity. He's been given that opportunity. So we'll let's see if he makes the best of it and if we'll see if Ryan Tannehill comes back and if the Miami Dolphins and Adam Gates have are forced to make a decision, do we stay with Ryan Tannehill or do we continue to go with Jay Culler who's had a very impressive year? So we'll have to see. But it's going to be definitely exciting. But I want to see if that fatigue factor, you mentioned that heat and humidity, I want to see how that plays a role and what Jay Culler we received this year. Nick, we appreciate the time. Enjoy the game tonight in Kansas City. Tell Mr. York to send the six-year contract to Cordell in Atlanta, okay? <laughs> that will be nice, Nick. I appreciate it. You're a good guy. Well, if man. I see him on the sideline tonight, I'll miss you. <laughs> Thank you, Nick. We'll chat with you soon. All right. Talk to you guys later. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. We'll be right back after this. 
Looking for the hottest hip-hop right now? Just search Hip Hop Beat exclusively on TuneIn. Hear artists like Jay-Z. All this old talk left me confused. You'd rather be old rich me or new you? Migo. Slippery. Won't excuse me. Please me. Travis Scott. But it's life I cannot change. In the hills. Deep off in the main. We have all your hip-hop needs. Search Hip-Hop Beat exclusively on TuneIn. This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. We continue on NFL No Huddle, the podcast, focusing on the top stories across the National Football League. Let's talk Buck football with Tom Krasnicki from WDAE Radio in Tampa. Tom, we appreciate the time. I'll let our quarterback, Cordell, ask you about Jameis Winston. I want to focus on the ground game. Is it just coach speak to say Doug Martin is not guaranteed to be the starter when he comes back from his three-game suspension? He's a much better option than Jaquez Rogers, right? He is. Uh, and good afternoon, guys. It's a pleasure to be on with you. The problem is, is because of the suspension, when the Bucks needed Doug the most, that's when that whole ordeal started to develop toward the end of last season. They knew about it. He was active. They still sat him against the Saints, and then he missed the last game against Carolina. He'll miss the first three weeks of the season. I think the Bucks are trying to keep Doug Martin in check, trying to keep him humble, and I don't believe he is guaranteed a spot between now and then when he comes off his suspension. I think he's going to be an insurance policy. Jacquez Rogers will handle it. Keep an eye on Peyton Barber, guys. He's a 225-pound back who has the kind of skill set that the other running backs don't have as that big hammer in the fourth quarter, but you know, if Doug stays clean, he's certainly in great shape. He's had a good camp. He may get an opportunity to get his job back, but all of that is uncertain right now. Jameis Winston has made a big splash coming into the National Football League as a rookie uh, for the first time, having anyone to throw for 4,000 yards in the first two years. Uh, tell me, what does he need to do now? Because it seems as if he's put a lot of pressure on himself to try to make plays and do it by himself, which – end up creating turnovers as far as interceptions were concerned. But now when you have players like the, the Sean Jacksons of the world and the other receivers, and now all of a sudden uh, you have a, a Jock West Rogers that can help out Doug Martin, does he need to do it by himself or he needs to really trust the guys around him and try to do it by committee? Because this team, I think, is trending in the right direction, better than most in the division that they're in. Well, Cordell, you're absolutely right. And look, with Jameis, his number one priority is cutting down on the turnovers. 43 of them through the first two years, 18 interceptions last year. And for Dirk Cutter, that's not good enough. And guys, if you watched Hard Knocks, that give and take between Dirk and Jameis in his office, they've had that conversation since the day Jameis was drafted. Dirk has been constantly telling him, look, you don't need the big play the whole time because Jameis is a gunslinger. He's looking for the big play down the field. And Dirk is saying, look, Take what the defense gives you. Check it down. Throw the football out of bounds. Don't force it down the field in double coverage. We don't need you to do that. We've got good talent around you. We've got a very good defense. You can certainly win the game for us. You can also lose the game for us. And that conversation you saw in Hard Knocks is the same conversation they've been having for three years. James has got to cut down on the turnovers. Tom Krasnicki, WDAE Radio in Tampa, is our guest on the NFL on TuneIn. Tom, you know the connection between the MVP award and the NFC South. Cam Newton a couple of years ago, Matt Ryan, the reigning MVP. Cordell and I both believe Tampa Bay is going to win this division. Could you envision Jameis Winston winding up in the MVP conversation this year? Guys, I think he'll be in the conversation if, in fact, they do win this division. 
I've been on record as saying I do believe Jameis will throw 30-plus touchdown passes this season because he's got Mike Evans back. They signed Deshaun Jackson. And I'll tell you guys right now, I've been out of training camp almost every day. Deshaun Jackson's been the best player on the field for the Buccaneers so far in training camp when you count offense, defense. He is head and shoulders above everyone else. And O.J. Howard looks like a major weapon, a guy who's 6'6", 250, runs in the four fives, runs pretty good routes, can already block. You saw that in Alabama. He was underutilized in the passing game. They're going to use him in the passing game. He's going to be a problem in the red zone. So as long as Jameis makes the right reads and cuts down on turnovers, yeah, I absolutely believe that if the Bucks win 10 or 11 games and win this division, he'll be in the MVP conversation. Many have talked in talking about the MVP. Many have mentioned that Aaron Rodgers is arguably one of the better quarterbacks in the game, particularly when it comes to getting outside the pocket and dealing with pressures. But Jameis Winston, I'll give you a few numbers. When it comes to QBR, QBR, he's number one in the National Football League when outside the pocket, when it comes down to, what is it, 93%. When it comes down to passing TDs, he's second in the National Football League with 18. Uh, when it comes to uh, yards per attempt, he's fifth with 7.9. Those numbers, do you think they get overshadowed uh, because of the turnovers? And if he were to correct those turnovers, if he can continue this trend outside the pocket, which I think a lot of quarterbacks struggle when it comes to being accurate and efficient, can he really be in that conversation at MVP? He can, Cordell, because of those numbers. And those are great numbers that you point out. You know, when Jameis first came into the league, a lot of people thought that his body wasn't ready for the NFL. And he knew that, and when he went to the Pro Bowl after his rookie season, and he only went there because every other quarterback pretty much dropped off, let's be honest. He went there, and he told us he saw guys like Julio Jones and Russell Wilson and the kind of immaculate shape they were in, and he was like, damn. He goes, for me to get to the next level, I want my body to look like theirs. And in two years, he's transformed himself. He's like 225, 230 now. He's in great shape, and that allows him to have that kind of mobility that you were just talking about to extend plays, to get the football out of his hands when he gets outside of the pocket. He's made some miraculous plays through the first two years in doing just that. He's Cordell Stewart. I'm Brian Weber chatting with Tom Krasnicki from WDAE Radio in Tampa. Tom, we never talk about kickers, but it's relevant on your club, considering the Bucks invest in a second-round pick in Roberto Aguayo, one of the most accurate kickers in college football history, last year was not that precise. How much is he being challenged by the veteran Nick Folk? He's being pushed big time, Brian, and I think that competition right now is at a dead heat. There were some days early on where Roberto was better than Nick Folk. Nick Folk got the better of him a couple of days last week, and there was a day where they were both really bad, and Dirk, Dirk Cutter called them both out afterwards to the point where the next day when they released their first depth chart, Dirk didn't even list the starter at kicker. It had Nick Folk or Roberto Aguayo on the depth chart. So it's a competition. There's no doubt Nick Folk got paid quite a bit of guaranteed money in the offseason. He's made more than 81% of his field goal kicks throughout his career. Roberto Aguayo was the least accurate kicker last year. This is going to be a competition, guys. And if I had to pick a winner right now, I think Nick Folk is going to win it. Tell me about Brent Grimes. Uh, talking about his leg gash and saying that he'll be out uh, for the preseason and, and try to make it back for the opener uh, against the Bengals. How serious is his, his injury? Yeah, Cordell, he's not going to play tonight, and I was there at camp the other day. He got a cleat right to his leg, and the gash looked actually pretty ghastly if you see it on social media. But he's not going to play tonight, but he's going to be ready. The Bucks will take, uh, will take every kind of precaution with Brent moving forward. He may not see a lot of time in the preseason, but 
there's no doubt he's going to be ready to go week one when they open up down in Miami. He's one of the guys at the age of 34. He's the oldest starter the Buccaneers have right now, offense or defense, but he's actually had a pretty good camp. He's got a nose for the football, that guy. Tom, since it sounds like we're all in agreement this team should win the division, and we know they're trying to build on the nine-win season, what area, if you got to highlight one specific component for this team, what area do they need to improve upon the most to get that done? I think it's safety, guys, and that was a problem last year for this team, and they have two holdovers in Chris Conte and Keith Tandy, and Tandy actually played well over the last month of the season, but the Bucks felt like they had to upgrade that position, so they did so in the offseason. They signed J.J. Wilcox, who was with the Dallas Cowboys. He's actually had a pretty good camp. He's had three interceptions so far in camp. And then he drafted Justin Evans in the second round out of Texas A&M, a guy who's very athletic, can play center field safety. He can play a little defensive back. He can play nickel, pretty good coverage skills. His tackling is, eh, you know, work in progress, but I think in coverage he provides that kind of athleticism that the Bucks haven't had. So safety is a position to watch, certainly. Last one for me. Uh, when it comes down to this offense and the, and the production that Doug Martin had when he first got there and, and seeing his struggles, whether it's injuries to now the suspension, how much do you think his absence will affect the offense? Uh, it's going to affect it greatly, Cordell, because Dirk Cutter has made it clear he wants to run the football. He wants to try and save Jameis from throwing it 40 times a game, even though they improved the weaponry around him. But this offense is predicated on coming out multiple tight end sets. They want to be able to run the football, work off play action, and try and hit big plays down the field to Mike Evans and Deshaun Jackson. So the running game is imperative. If they can keep defenses honest, and that passing game is going to actually open up the running game because now you're geared up to try and defend Deshaun Jackson. That defense will loosen up considerably. I think there's going to be some wide-open running lanes for this team to run right through. And keep an eye on J.R. Sweezy, a guy who was injured all of last year, guys. They signed him two years ago as a free agent. He's looked pretty good in camp. He's going to start at right guard. He brings the type of nastiness they've been looking for in the run game. Tom, we appreciate the information. Thanks so much for giving us a few minutes today here on the NFL on TuneIn. My pleasure, Brian and Cordell. Anytime, guys. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. And we'll be right back with more after this. Premium listeners, the NFL is back on TuneIn. With the NFL on TuneIn, hear the home call of every game live all season long. The action starts with live coverage of every preseason matchup on the schedule. Then as training camps come to a close, be sure to mark your calendars for NFL kickoff weekend, beginning with Thursday night football featuring the Kansas City Chiefs and the New England Patriots on September 7th. At home or on the go, hear the home call of every NFL game on TuneIn. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, checking in with the biggest names and newsmakers from the gridiron. It can be challenging to navigate the NFL landscape filled with unknowns. You know that I know that I know that you know that I know that I know that you know. Intense focus is required to tune out all the noise surrounding the league. Wicka, 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 wicka. And the drummer says, uh. So we turn to Super Bowl champion Ellis Wims for nimble analysis, breaking things down on a whim. How about your boy? Ellis, it's always a pleasure. I mentioned what's coming up tonight. Niners and Chiefs. Alex Smith, the incumbent starter, but we know Kansas City believed in Patrick Mahomes enough to trade up to draft him. From the defensive point of view, 
which quarterback would you prefer to match up against, Alex Smith or Mahomes, who has a much bigger arm? Well, at this point, absolutely Mahomes. I mean, he'll he'll be coming into his you know his first NFL action, and I don't care how much time you spend in college. And as we know, like Josh Rosen said out in UCLA, you know those guys are they're putting in full time practice. They're not really students in in college anymore, so uh, they're getting that work in. But there's still a difference when you step up to that next level. So I would want a, a deer in the headlight young guy that has no clue what we're about to throw at him. And rather than having Alex Smith, who knows how to run a game, who can make the plays he needs to play to get the, to get his team moving in the right direction. You mentioned young guys coming into the game, and, and, and seemingly they, they look like they're deer in the headlights. Uh, Deshaun Watson, I don't think he looked like he was one of those players that was a deer in headlights. If you had to, let's say, put a wager on it, or even just put your collective experience as a player in the game when watching Tom Savage and also uh, Deshaun Watson. How would you grade both those guys? One started with the first team, and the other obviously was with the backups. But when you look at what they did on the field, uh, who would you tilt your hat to when it comes down to how they play that game? I don't know. I mean, it's two different styles. I mean, I think Tom was steady. Uh, you know, I think he moved the offense. He did some good things. But with Deshaun, you you have uh, the always the potential for those wild plays, those big plays where he can make plays with his legs. And we saw he had a rushing touchdown in the game, which – just adds a whole new dimension to your offense. So, you know, it depends on what you're looking for. Again, I think Tom is going to be more steady. You're going to get less mistakes with him. Uh, we don't know what his ceiling is, but we think Deshaun Watson may have a higher ceiling. So it's just are you going to start planning to, to see how high that ceiling is, ceiling is with the young guy, or are you going to, you know, go with this guy that you know is steady and that you think can run your offense? Super Bowl champion Ellis Wims is our guest on the NFL on TuneIn. Ellis, the big headline across the NFL today, Ezekiel Elliott suspended for six games. Given that the Cowboys still have the best offensive line in all of football, how much confidence that do you have they can still run the football with Alfred Morris and Darren McFadden? Uh, I definitely think they can run the ball. I mean, they'll open holes. And uh, Alfred Morris is a proven NFL running back, a 1,000-yard back in this league. Uh, when when the Washington Redskins really started to have a turnaround and stop being terrible and actually start being competitive, it was a lot because of Alfred Morris came in as a six-round pick and just became a player for that team. And they kind of rode him and, uh, and, and, his, and, and his just ability to grind out the yards and keep the offense on time. So I think, you know, they can definitely continue to do that. It will put more pressure on Dak to have to make plays uh, Dak and Dez to be able to make those those big plays, those scoring plays, because Alfred is not a guy that's going to rip off big chunk yardage plays. He's more of a guy that's going to keep you on time and on schedule with your offense. But if he's keeping you on schedule, you know, when it's time to make a big play, you got to make a big play. Uh, so Dak is going to really have to step up, and Dez is going to have to you know, be a, a better route runner, uh, get himself open and put himself in position to make some plays for that offense. Let's talk about a team he once played for, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Jameis Winston, first quarterback in the history of the game to come into the league with back-to-back season with 4,000 yards. Uh, it seems as if they really have li- relied upon him to to be the focal point, or that's just was his approach, either or. Uh, with everything they've added to this team and what they've already had, Deshaun Jackson, uh, of course, you, you know Jacquez Rogers is filling in now for, for Doug Martin, who played well last year when playing, Jacquez Rogers did. 
Do you think he need to do as much as he's been trying to do as of lately? He had 18 interceptions, six fumbles, a total of 24 turnovers. Uh, what does he need to do moving forward uh, to be able to be in that conversation like the Aaron Rodgers of the world and the Ben Roethlisberger's to even the Tom Brady's far as MVP or even maybe playing for something big and special like a championship? Well, I think he's a long way off from that, from being that type of player that can carry a team or carry a franchise to a Super Bowl. I mean, we talk about that like that's just something easy, but it takes a man's man uh, to be able to carry a team from the quarterback position to the Super Bowl. And he's a great player. I love his enthusiasm, love his leadership capabilities and and what he presents for the future for that franchise. But for a third-year guy, they need to make sure they build a well-rounded, balanced offensive attack around him and, and keep him out of a situation where he's, he's turning the ball over and just putting the team in a bad position. So, uh, you know, I really, I really hope that they can develop that running game and they can have a, a one-two punch with Doug Martin and Quez Rogers. Uh, they have some big play ability in Deshaun Jackson and, and Mike Evans. Uh, so they, uh, you know, so they, they have some pieces, some weapons in place. But you can't lean on one or the other too much. They have to find a way to balance the attack and keep Jameis out of situation where he feels like he has to do too much. Ellis got two minutes left in the segment. So as we wrap it up, you played for the Vikings. Is Cordell cray-cray out of his mind to say your old team is going to win that division this year? How much are you buying Sam Bradford? Mm, I mean, I, I'm I, Sam Bradford, like a you know, like a he's like a. A, 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 a good-looking set of bananas that you got, but when you get them home, you know, a couple of them are brown. You ain't actually <laughs> seen them. You, know, you, you look at them as closely as you thought. Yeah, I mean, you, you, he's not – he looks good. He looks the part. Uh, he says all the right things. Uh, he has the pedigree. He's been, the you know, the number one pick in the draft and all those things. But I haven't seen him, you know, be able to carry a team in that way. And maybe, you know, the weapons are coming to, to – uh, coming around him and the pieces are developing around him to give him a chance to maximize who he is as a player. Maybe this first half of, of his career, uh, he's better than he's been in this first half of his career. We don't know. But from what we've seen so far, with him being able to outdo Aaron Rodgers in that division, uh, you know, I still I still give it to I still give it to Green Bay in that division. I mean the Lions are gonna be good on, on offense, of course. They've got to get better on defense. But I still think Aaron Rodgers the king of that division. And the headline is Cordell is bananas. Thank you, Ellis. Have a great weekend. We'll chat with you soon again on the NFL on TuneIn. Okay, man. Cool. Hey, holla at your boy, man. Get with me next week. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. And we'll be right back with more after this. Get to know artists in a new way on Fireside Chat, exclusively on TuneIn. Search Fireside Chat to your exclusive interviews with SZA. And I still don't know myself, but I think I'm comfortable with what I do and don't know. Legendary reggae artist Damian Marley stops by and talks about his inspiration behind Stony Hill. I'm not trying to hide where I come from or pretend to be something I'm not. ZZ Ward talks about her life and her music. So the inspiration for this album was a lot of past relationships. Get to know artists in a new way. Search Fireside Chat exclusively on TuneIn. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, checking in with the biggest names and newsmakers from the gridiron. Mark Vandermeer, play-by-play voice of the Texans radio network. We're looking forward to teaming up with Mark and our friends as well from the Patriots team channel as we take the show on the road. It's a joint audio cast coming up 
Tuesday and Wednesday, August 15th and 16th, live from West Virginia. Note the special time for this program, 11 a.m. Eastern. Mark, looking forward to working with you. How are you? How's it going, guys? Are we really working together? Like, is this called work? Because uh, i got a problem with actual work, you know? I'll just talk. Talking is good, but working is another thing. Now, Mark, you know I'm extremely loud, so it's work for me. It's laborious. Oh, I see. I got it. There's, there's a strenuous Mark. activity taking place. <laughs> Mark, laborious. Did you hear that? Laborious. It's a big word Friday, Mark. Yes. It's big word Friday. I got it. I like Let- laborious. That's good. Thank you. I'll be loquacious as well when we get to West Virginia. Let's go back to Wednesday. You were in the booth because you've been in the booth every step of the way throughout the Texans franchise history. What would you take away from what Deshaun Watson did against Carolina, albeit against their backups? Well, you know, that's the key thing here. But I think another key thing is it's his first time being in an NFL field. And when we were in the stadium early on, we noticed a lot of orange in the stands. And the orange grew and it was amazing how many Clemson fans there were there that were there to greet Deshaun Watson to the National Football League. I, I thought it was a tremendous showing of support, and it really was kind of moving in a way, just to see the kind of love he gets in this part of the country or in that part of the country. We're four hours north of there now. But I, I really thought that was more than notable. And then he gets on the field, and it looks like he belongs. You know, he's handling things well. He changes out of some plays. He found some receivers who – Maybe other rookie quarterbacks wouldn't be able to find because he knew how to shift the protection and knew where the blitzer was coming from. So he went to an area where he knew a receiver would be open, and there was good communication. So I thought it was a good first test for him. You know, there was a a drop. There was a fumble after a reception. There was a reception that would have been a great catch had the receiver not gone out of bounds first. It would have kept the drive going. I thought he could have done a lot more if those – other things had come through for him, and he made some overthrows. He made some mistakes, but I don't think any of those passes were even close to being picked off, which is something very positive here, that he protects the football, and he knows where people are around him. It, it is very apparent that he's got the eyes in the back of his head, point guard kind of thing, that aspect of being a quarterback, and I think some of that is God-given. So I, I really liked him in that appearance, and you want to see him do more. You want to see him build on this. What would it take, uh, considering he went with the second team, Tom Savage went with the first team, uh, what would it take for him to get the nod from Bill O'Brien, considering the poise, because that's what you're alluding to, poise. He showed how much poise he had. The lights weren't too bright for him. Uh, It's easy to become complacent as a starter because you do have the max protection because of the experience of the guys up front, but yet at the same time, the young kid – and Deshaun Watson, yeah, Deshaun Watson actually showed uh, that he has the capabilities when pressure is around him to not really just get out of pocket and run full speed, but find the soft spot and still be able to deliver the pass. What would it take for him to be the starter? I, I think it's going to take more progress. And Savage looks good now. He's looked good all throughout camp. In the game, there were a couple of three and outs early, and there was some pressure, and you know he didn't handle it. Uh, but the team didn't handle it, so you could say chicken or egg or, you know, who's responsible for what. Uh, the one thing you like about Watson being in there is that he does sense the pressure, and if the protection's not going to be that good, maybe he can, you know, get out of jail and run to the right side or the left side, buy some extra time, extend the play, you know, worked off, work off script a little bit. And you don't want to see him run like crazy. Like, that was a touchdown run that we just heard. But it was kind of a safe touchdown run, if you know what I'm saying. Like It felt like he knew that it was going to be there, uh, but it's not always going to be there. It's the NFL. 
Uh, you know, Ruben Foster had something to say in that championship game, but Deshaun was able to overcome that hit. Uh, but I think continued progress, and I think maybe Savage flipping a little bit would contribute to that as well. I'm not so sure if that's even necessary. Uh, at some point, Deshaun's going to play for the franchise because he's the franchise guy with two number one draft choices invested in him. I just, it's hard to predict when everybody's got their idea on when it's going to happen. And I I think it's going to happen. But again, if Tom weren't doing so well, it would be an easy decision to make right now, but he's doing well. Now the counter to that is Tom really hasn't played much either. You're not talking about a veteran who's won a bunch of games for this team. You're talking about a guy who's started and finished one game in his career. So that is a, a notable situation there, that Tom doesn't have a lot of playing experience himself. But he does have experience in the system, and I think that counts for a lot because everybody says that this is a complicated system, and it's one that you, uh, you need some years in, you need some time in anyway to be good at. Chatting with Mark Vandermeer, radio voice of the Houston Texans. Let's go back to last year. Lamar Miller, career high in carries, better than 1,000 rushing yards. Mark, what do you think the workload's going to look like for him this year? It'll be less because now you have a young man by the name of Deontay Foreman, the third-round draft choice from the University of Texas. Had a 41-yard run the other night, ends up averaging over eight yards per carry. And I'm not going to sit here and say he's going to the Pro Bowl or anything, but this guy's going to factor into this ground game. And when you have a young buck like that coming into the – roster, it pushes everybody else. And Alfred Blue had a good game against Carolina. And when Blue just hits that hole hard, just takes the ball and just starts running and not trying to find a hole, uh, whatever was available, he took it. He had a nice game as well. A bunch of good carries in that touchdown drive, good catch in that touchdown drive by uh, Savage, and he also had the 16-yard run to cap it off. I think that Blue has announced that he's not going down easy here, and it's going to be a very tough cut at running back. It's a very varied group. They've got Tyler Irvin, the fourth rounder from last year, who looks much better this year. He's kind of a receiver and running back. And they've got Akeem Hunt, who's a speedster who can make plays. I like what they've got in the backfield, and it's going to be really interesting for them. Maybe injuries always, or maybe injuries as they often do, solve the problem, but nobody's hurt right now. That's a good thing for the Texans, and they'll just have to figure it out. Uh, Losing uh, Vince Wolford, this team has defensively uh, last season, I think giving up, what, 20.5 yards a game, which is 11th in the National Football League, uh, but arguably had overall the best defense in the game. Uh, how big of a loss is that, or will J.J. Watt and Jadavion, a healthy Jadavion Clowney somewhat pick up some of those pieces uh, that we can say that uh, the big man has left behind on the defense? Yeah, I think Will Fork, you know, the Will Fork that played for the Texans was not the Will Fork that played for the Patriots a few years ago, but he was still a very good nose tackle and somebody who could, you know, hold the point of attack and kind of, you know, just control the middle, if you will. And that's all you want your nose guard to do. And the other guys could clean it up. I mean, Watt really didn't play last year, only played the first three games, and he wasn't even himself at, at that point. Uh, but I think they have enough pieces here. DJ Reader looks like he's ready for the job. I think they're going to do the rest of it behind him by committee, if you will. Uh, but they have some interesting players. You know, they have Christian Covington on the D-line. They have Carlos Watkins, who they drafted in the fourth round out of Clemson. Uh, they've got Joel Heath, who hasn't played much, uh, wasn't played at all this training camp. He's, he's dealing with some sort of injury, but he'll be okay. So they got a lot of interesting players, and they're just going to have to fill it in. They don't have anybody who's a 350-pound fending machine like Will Fork was. Uh, so you're going to have to get along without him. And he was a big part of things. But I think they have the personnel, especially, as you say, with a healthy Watt coming back. That's huge for this team. 
Mark, because we're going to be peppering with you with questions when we get to West Virginia on Tuesday and Wednesday, we'll keep it concise today. We appreciate the time. Final thoughts on dress code, because Bill O'Brien is an intense dude. Can we wear shorts or will we get fined? Uh, you guys have to wear a black tie to practice, <laughs> didn't they tell you? <laughs> and and we go 70s black tie. We go Tony Orlando and oh, Don, nice. you know, with the ruffles and everything. So I yes. expect you to show up like that, Brian. I thought you were going to do a Casey and the Sunshine Band reference. Mark, enjoy your weekend. Looking forward to seeing you next week in West Virginia. Uh, Likewise, guys. Thanks. Thank you for listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast on iTunes with Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Listen live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern by downloading the TuneIn app and searching NFL No Huddle. The National Football League is on. TuneIn, your everything audio app.